I have to laugh a little bit. Um, you don't want to laugh at him too much, but the last couple of weeks, and and Phil Phil likes to kind of guess where we're going, you know, and so so this morning it was like, well, let me guess, we're in First John chapter three, verse four through nine. I went no. Uh, I said we're in First John chapter three, verses one through three. We were there last week, yeah, <laughs> and the week before, yeah. So actually, we're actually backing up into verses uh, 28 and 29 of First um, John, of chapter 2. I guess I should have warned you about that, but uh, somehow I'm in Second Peter, no wonder. Okay. But in First John chapter 2, verses 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, Now, we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your great faithfulness. Uh, We also thank you for your promise that you will return, that you have gone to prepare a place for us, and if you have done that, you will come and bring us back to yourself. And so we, we look forward to that day that we will be with you forever. Lord, we do thank you, though, for your presence here now. And we do know that you are here. We know that you are with us. We know that your word says that it never leaves us nor forsakes us, and yet we will one day enter into a, a greater withness with you. So be blessed this morning, Lord, as we look into your words. We, spe- we pray, too, that you would speak to our hearts and instruct us, encourage us. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So last week we looked at half of verse 1. And so we're going to look at the other half of verse 1 this morning. But I think we're going to go into verse 2 and 3. So we're, we're moving along a little, little, a little faster uh, here this morning. In verse 1 it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. So th- that's where we're going we're gonna to start that with this idea of the world. And, and it's, it's the Greek word cosmos. It's actually, John uses it 23 times in this letter. I don't know if you've gone through and looked at that or noticed that. He talks about the world. And it does mean different things in the letter based upon the context of the surrounding verses. Okay, so that's important to understand. And, and so you have to ask yourself, what does it mean when John is talking about the world? Um, and he's talking about us in this context of what? 
talking about as being being what or who either one children of God correct and then he goes on to say the world does not know us because it did not know him so it, it, it's talking about the world system in this particular verse in this little this little passage uh, and and it's talking about an unbelieving group of people, the, the, the world culture that does not turn to God. I think if we, if we truly would turn to God, we wouldn't have the mess that we have. We wouldn't have the mess that we have. And I still believe that it's, and I, 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 I have been kind of quiet about this, um, or we're getting closer to November. I still believe that, that we're called to live a faithful presence. I'm not putting my trust in either party. Because I, 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 think, I think both of them have lost their way. Both of them have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, I believe. That's my opinion. Your mileage may vary. And, and we're called... And I said this to you four years ago. We're called to maintain a faithful presence. And we're called to be light and to be salt. Light in a dark world. Salt in a world that needs some type of seasoning. And, and we're going to do that as we go about our day. In our local environment. In, in the circle of people that we uh, interact with whether those that we inter- interact with and we know well or people that we interact with occasionally, like the people who fill your gas tank, the people who check out your groceries. And, 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 and all those things, I think, are important for us to be light, to be salt, to be the faithful presence. And, and you know, you do what you want. You vote for who you want. You make your own decisions. I'm not your dad. God, thank God for that, right? Okay? Nor do I ever want to be, okay? <laughs> I had enough gray hairs just with my own two. Anyway, I'm kidding, but anyway. But, but, but I believe as Christians we're called to be the light. And, and to let our light so shine before men that they would see our good works in heaven and glorify whom? Our Father in heaven. Talk about the via media, the third way. I believe that that's what we as a church are called to do during this very, uh, the, I just think it gets worse. I don't, you know, and it, can it get worse? Yeah, it can. But it, I think that's our calling. Um, the world doesn't understand that. They think you're weird. They think you're crazy. Now, some of you, I'll never mind. Okay, I'll just let that go. And, and the scripture even says that they, they think it odd that you don't run with them. And they don't understand you because they don't understand Jesus. And I think of the book of Romans where the question is asked, how were they here unless they have what? How will they hear unless they have what? A preacher. Not ears. A preacher. 
I think, I think in that passage where Paul is talking, I think he's presuming that they have ears. All right? That's, that's, that's how I'd look at that. Sometimes we have to understand that there are certain presumptions. And, and so how will they hear unless they have a preacher? And how will, how will, the, how will the, they hear, how will the preacher go unless he is what? Sent. Sent by the Holy Spirit of God. They don't get us. Now, I, I don't want, I'm not trying to engender in you an anti-world mentality. I, I think there's enough of that, I believe, to a fault that, that, I, that I hear in Christian circles. And quite frankly, it, it concerns me because I will turn to Ken Perkey's favorite book, the book of John, and it tells me that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, there are certain groups who want to take that and they want to twist that, but I go into the Greek and I read the world means the cosmos, the world, everybody. God so loved every human being that he gave his only begotten son. If we are true disciples of Jesus who take up our cross daily, deny ourselves and follow him, we are called to do no less. Or to have no less of a heart for the world. And in doing so I believe. Particularly in this day and age. Where there is such extreme polarization. And, and people are. It, it's so volatile. Especially if you go on Facebook. Which I'm going to have to stop doing again. I'm just, it's like why am I doing this to myself? You know, except for I, I, there's a, there is a golden retriever club on Facebook that I, I'm serious. I just go and I look at the dogs and I like every single photo that people post of their dogs, you know. I mean, there has to be some sense of, 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 of sanity. And, and as I've told you before, I'm going on anti-Facebook kick, all right. Can, can you just, let me indulge just for a minute. It's like a narcissist playground. Everybody's right. That old prophet Nielsen said, everybody's talking at me. I can't hear a word they're saying, only the echoes of my mind. Some of you are very familiar with that song. We'll sing the chorus together later. Okay, I'm kidding. Wah, wah. Anyway, you know that part, right? Yeah, it's like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, but I just did. Um, we're called to be a faithful presence. And boy, I want to get into it just as bad as anybody else because I look at some of the stuff that certain people post on there and these are my friends on Facebook and they post certain things and it's like, it is so short-sighted because it's so emotionally driven because everything is at your fingertips. All you got to do is click it and type it and send enter and away it goes and you just made an idiot out of yourself. God help us. Seriously, God help us. We're called to be a faithful presence. They don't know us because they don't know him. And why should they even understand the life that we have been called, the life of discipleship, the life of taking up our cross daily, denying ourselves and following Jesus? Why does that even make sense to them if they do not have the Holy Spirit in them to give them an understanding of what that means? Because that's why we understand it, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, correct? The Holy Spirit speaks these things into us, leads us into these things, confirms these things. 
we're his children. And because we are his children, we are part of another kingdom. We're not part of the world system. I'm waiting for my king to come. And I just might write Jesus in on the ballot in November. Because I'm not voting for either one of them. I'm waiting for my king to come. And that's part of what this little passage is talking about. It talks about in chapter 2 of verse 28. Abide in him when he appears. We will have confidence and not be ashamed at him and his coming. And then it, it, it goes on in, in, in uh, verse, I'm sorry, verse 2 of chapter 3. When he is revealed, it's kind of an what's called in 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 uh, in in literature. What's called in some who who do biblical studies is called an inclusio, which is a Latin term, which means that they're bracketed. In other words, it's a hint to you that this is one big section that has to be read and understood within the context of itself. Does that make sense? In other words, when I read anything out of verses. Uh, 1 through 3 of chapter 3, I have to also include the context of chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. That's why we've been going back and reading this every week. That's why we've been taking our very sweet time going through this because it is such a deep and full passage. And it's wrapped around the idea of of everything that is instructed in here is wrapped around in the idea that Jesus is coming again. Now, I will submit to you, it does not say how here. Okay? Your mileage may vary. Should have worn that shirt this morning. The reality is that he is coming. Because we are his children. But we do not know It has not yet been revealed, I'm in verse 2, what we shall be. But But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What John is telling us is that all the speculation about who we are what we will be, that is, excuse me, how things will change with us when Jesus returns, and we're going to look at a couple of passages on that briefly. But God has not seen fit to really give us a full detailed description of who we are going to be, what we are going to be, how our bodies are going to be, we know that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that, that this corrupt body must put on corruption because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We know that 1 Corinthians, which is all in the context of the, the 1 Corinthians uh, 15, is all in the context of a declaration of what the gospel is and particularly the hope of the resurrection. And, and then in that, that, that he even tells us that, that we, uh, we will not all be, uh, we will not all sleep. That is, we will not all die, but some of us will be transformed. Uh, but the dead in Christ will rise first. This is talking about when Jesus returns, I believe. 
the dead in Christ rise first and then those who are alive and remain. Um, actually, I'm going into First Thessalonians 4 on this one. Those who are alive and re- remain will be caught up in the air to meet him in the air and to forever be with the Lord. My context in that is when he's coming, we will go up and meet him and we will escort him back to earth. That's how I view that. And I know that your mileage may vary on that one as well, but that's okay. Um, it doesn't say where we go in First Thessalonians 4. You're in the air. Okay, we do know that. And you will forever be with the Lord. We do know that. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, we will be changed. We do know that. How and in what way, I have no idea. We will have heavenly bodies. But we will also have, no longer have, I don't believe, the conflict that we have in the human heart between the flesh and the spirit. So in a sense, I think we're going to have a heavenly heart. It's something that we all need. We will have a heavenly perspective. It's something that we yet understand. See, God gave us a whole bunch of stuff in the Bible, right? A whole lot of stuff to teach us, instruct us, uh, develop us. He gave this to us in the Bible, but, but there is so much more out there that he has not revealed. Why didn't he, why did he do that? Why didn't he do that? I have no idea. All I know is I'm looking for the first seminary on the left as soon as I get into heaven, and I'm going to re-enroll, man, and I'm looking forward to that. And there is so much. I, I don't think that we can mind the depth of who God is. Let's just take, and we looked at this last week. Um, let's just take the aspect of God's love for us. I don't understand it. And I'm glad God doesn't love like any of you or me. Usually I say me, but I wanted to bring you in on this one. I'm glad God does not have a love like, like we do as humans. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It tells us in Lamentations. John's saying, I don't know what we're going to be like, but we know that we will be like him. Why? Because we will see him as he is. What John is doing here is he's echoing what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, where he, 1 Corinthians talks about where now I see dimly, but then face to face. Now I see dimly. All we really are is a bunch of people who are stumbling in the dark just trying to get home. Just stop and think about that. Hopefully doing the best we can. But nonetheless, stumbling in the dark because we see dimly. And we will be like him. Notice it says, and to me, I just, boy, I'm still wrestling with this. It says, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In other words, there is something about seeing him as he is that's going to affect our ability, not good word, construction of being like him. In other words, when we see him as he is, it's going to change a whole lot of our perspective. I remember... Um, 
I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to, to illustrate the point, okay? When I graduated, um, the semester before I graduated with my doctorate, I was also a TA um, teaching assistant in a class, and everything was done online, um, and, and I had a really wonderful professor, he's Korean, um, really great guy. And uh, I was looking forward to meeting him in person at graduation. And uh, lo and behold, it just worked out that as, as we walked out of the, the auditorium, there he and his wife and his little baby were. So I walked right up to him and said, hello. And, and the thing is, it was so funny. He says, boy, you look a lot younger in person. <laughs> God bless you too, brother. Um, I laughed. See, he finally saw me as I am. Because even in, with, with modern technology looking like you, we, we did all our classes on Zoom, right? So in a sense, we were seeing each other dimly. But when he saw me face to face, I wasn't nearly as old as he thought. I guess that was maybe a reassurance. I don't know. But, but, but there... And it changes. It changed his perspective on me. But when we see Jesus as He is, then we will be like Him. What does that say? You know, I, I think it says a lot to us. But one of the things I believe it tells us is that when we finally really see Him, when we finally really behold Him when we finally really see him face to face, see him as he is, there's going to be something about seeing him that's just going to melt all of our carnality away. And we're going to have this incredible desire to be like him. We're going to have this incredible desire to know him. And, I mean, he's he, he, like the most popular person in the class, you know, times however many. Right? I mean, you're just going to want to know him. You're just going to want to be with him. You're just going to want to to emulate who he is. And and I would submit to you that it's very possible in thinking about this that, that perhaps because of who we are living here in these, these earthly tents, as Paul put it, is that we probably receive his love dimly. Because we don't have the capacity to receive it to the full extent that we could receive it. Does that make sense? Because I think sometimes there, we're always in a tug of war with God anyway. I think many of us are. God is pulling us in one direction and we're, we're, we got a hold of that rope and we're trying to go the other direction. I don't know why we do it. It's pretty stupid when you stop and think about it. But we all do it, myself included. Yeah, but I... But I think when we see who he is, all of that resistance is just going to dissipate. I remember my friend Paul. Paul's with the Lord now. Paul, I, I, I've told you about him before. Paul was from New Jersey. And, and he, it was just as if he knew he was going to pass, Right? And he used to tell me all the time, Mike, if I just could see him, all I want to do is see him. That's how you talk, right? But he would just, I just want to see him. 
I understand a little bit more about what he's saying then. I understand more now about what he said back then than what I really grasped when he was telling me these things. But he, he just wanted to see God. Because Paul, Paul was a wonderful guy, but he had a lot of issues. He had a lot of struggles. So many monkeys on his back, for lack of a better description. But when he, we see Jesus... It's going to change everything about us. So with that, with that, we have verse 3. Because if we have so great an expectation, and I think that's part of what John is talking about here in verse 2, if we have so great an expectation of seeing him as he is, therefore we will be like him. Let's start looking for him deeper, clearer, longer, with greater intensity and greater desire even now today. Because he who has this hope in him, I believe the hope is seeing him. Obviously, it's within the context of his return. We don't, we don't want to get away from that. But I think the hope is seeing him. The greatest thing about his return is he's coming back for me. And for you, right? And because the dead in Christ will rise first, even if you have passed before he returns, you're going to be there at the moment. You're going to be there at the event. We will all be there at the day of the Lord. This is something that I believe all of the saints are included in. And if we... If when we see him, we will be like him. This hope of his return should be centered around, focused upon the fact, A, I get to see him, B, I'm going to be changed. And most of the people that I talk to, and be honest with you, it's discouraging. I would say, that I talk to you who just, just can't wait for Jesus to come back and get me out of this mess. And if that's your attitude going into eternity, I sure hope one of the first people you meet in heaven is somebody who gave their life for the faith. Because we don't have it hard. We don't. Actually, we have it relatively easy. And I think, I think these, are, these are things that each of us need to remember. Remember the persecuted church uh, so that, that we, the unpersecuted church, stop our whining and our complaining. Those are the people who love Jesus so much that they're willing to lay down their lives for him. And there was something, when I went to that Voices of the Martyrs conference, it was what, um, it'll be 
three years ago, this September. Uh, something in that just kind of clicked in me and just changed me. And I'm around listening to people who, who are, live in Syria who are being persecuted, who live in China, who, who now lives in exile because he can't go home. He can't go home because uh, they've got to jail. But he, he started a ministry, and he's ministering uh, to China by sending people uh, from here to go in there and to spread the gospel and to, to strengthen the, the apparently a very huge church, uh, the body of Christ, I mean, a very huge body of Christ in the nation of China. And we need to cultivate a hope that is wrapped around the understanding that I'm going to see him, and because of that, I'm going to be like him. I will finally be as Peter talked about in Second Peter, I believe it's chapter 1, where he talks about us being partakers of the divine nature. Not that we become little gods, but that we become like our Father. We become more like Jesus. Yes, there's always going to be a separation between he and us in, in the regard that he is so much higher, he is so much greater, he is so beyond who we are. And thank God for that, to be honest with you. Because then you would have Satan 2.0 running around somewhere. And then the whole mess would start all over again, right? You guys follow what I'm saying, right? But we have this incredible hope because one day we're going to see him. One day we will know as we are known. And, and, and uh, that's my hope here. You know, I'll let you all figure out how it's all going to work. I think I've already got it figured out in my own mind, but that's fine. I could be wrong. I think every system has flaws, to be honest with you. And I think if you press every end time scenario hard enough, you're going to come up with something that doesn't work, personally, because I've done it. But I know he's coming back. And I know that I will see him. And I know that in seeing him, I will be like him. Because when I see him, I really, think about this, guys. Because this ties back into verse, this really does tie back into verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. I know that when I see him, I'm not going to want anything else. Let that dwell in. Think about that a minute. Taste that for a second. When I finally see him, I'm not going to want anything else. And so everything that I consider to be important, and I think the things that I consider to be important are important, just like the things that you consider to be important are important. When we talk about the judgment seat, also known as the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, where the wood, the hay, and the stubble the wood, the hay, and the stubble, which is actually what is used for tinder, right? That's what you use to start a fire. 
is all going to burn away. All those things that are really of secondary importance will all burn away. And the gold and the silver and the precious jewels, they will be refined as with fire. So we will be like him. And so if we will be like him, let this hope in you purify you. It's like what I shared with a person one time that they was they were you know it's they were worried about going it when they got to heaven that they weren't and they stood before God that they weren't going to be all that they wanted to be which is another subtle way of saying I'm prideful right okay really is what it is and I understand that because I I entertain that I entertain that as well um. But it's, it, it's not necessarily like God's going to send us back to keep us back a grade like they used to do in grade school. Of course, they don't do that anymore. They just pass everybody. And then you have someone who's graduating from high school that can't even write their first name. But anyway, um, I, I'm kidding. But let's invest in our eternity. This hope in him purifies him just as Jesus is pure. Notice it's a capital he at the end of verse 3. Everyone who has this hope in Christ purifies himself just as Jesus Christ is pure. So my hope is built on that. And so, because I have this hope in him, I don't necessarily, when I get into heaven, I don't really want to go to a remedial school, okay? All right? I probably will anyway. Maybe I'll get out of the pastor section, okay? All right? Maybe that's my hope, okay? But let's allow the Holy Spirit to do that purifying work in our lives while we are here, which often is difficult, which often is uncomfortable, which often can be painful, but it is the purifying work that the Lord desires to do in our life where he said that in, first, in the book of Philippians chapter 1, he is faithful to complete that which he began in us. He does it through a work of purification. Everyone who has this hope in Jesus purifies himself. In other words, he and 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 the the uh, um, the the grammar here is present tense. So it's talking about an action that's in the process of being. Remember, it has no no assessment of when this action is being completed. So while we are here, we are always a work in progress. We are always a work in progress which means we can make mistakes, which means we, we, we sometimes have to backtrack, which means sometimes we may say, do, or think things that we don't want to, but we do it anyway. But we are always that work in process, but it's a work in process that it is done to us through the work of the Holy Spirit as we submit ourselves to him and allow him to do that work. Because if I'm in charge of purifying myself, <laughs> 
I'm going to do the bare minimum I have to do to get by. And so are you. Right? Isn't it interesting how we have greater expectations on others than we do ourselves at times? But we submit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit who does this work of purification to make us more like Jesus. In other words, to, to remove, remove the, the impurities, the carnality, the, uh, the thoughts, the actions, the attitudes in our life that makes us more Christ-like so that when we see him, I'm going to take a little liberty here, okay? When we see him, we'll recognize him because he's been doing this kind of work in our life all along. Does that make sense? Uh, I took some liberty with that, okay? But another way of saying this, and I'm going to finish here. Then we'll go to Philippians 3, then we'll be done. Another way of saying this is, let's get closer to heaven now. Does that make sense? Let's get closer to his appearing right now because he desires to appear to us right here, right now, and every single day, doesn't he? He desires to make himself known. He desires to reveal himself. No, we don't see him with physical eyes, but we sense him with a spiritual heart, don't we? We hear his spiritual voice. Real quick, uh, Philippians chapter 3, right around verse 20, 20. We'll stop there, or start there. No, 21. Oh. No. I'm looking at Philippians 4. That's where my problem is. Okay, I'm back. All right. Verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven. All right. Now, that should go on someone's bumper sticker. Okay. Just my thought. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is from our citizenship in heaven that we wait for Jesus, is what he's saying here. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Boy, there, there's, there's more there than I can cover, more there than I want to cover. I'm really out, out of time. But we are eagerly waiting for his coming. We will be transformed and be conformed to his glorious body. So if you want some clues into that, read the first chapter of the book of Revelation where you have Jesus and his glorified body. Because he is able to do that work in us and able to subdue all things to himself. So this isn't like Star Trek cyborg assimilation. Uh, Is that the word? Yeah, assimilate. Anyway, hated that show. Um, My kids liked it. Anyway, uh, so it was on. Um, it's not assimilation, but it's an incorporation of the character of Jesus Christ into our life, into its fullness. 
That makes sense. And when we all get there, I'll see you all in class because that's where I'm going to be. So, Father, we thank you for your great word. We thank you for this incredible hope that we have in you. We ask, Lord, that you would do that work of purification, that we would submit ourselves to you, that you would purify us uh, as we have this hope in seeing you, as we have this hope in, in being like you, as we have this hope in seeing you in your purity because you are pure. You are holy. So, Lord, call us into that. Continue to do that work in our lives for your great namesake, we ask. To continue to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, again, we submit ourselves to you. We ask, Lord, that we would go forward from here people looking for your coming, but also looking in a way that is involved in the day-to-day task of allowing you to purify us. Help us to live sanctified lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.